Wrigley, welcome back to the podcast. I needed to remember how to do this. I haven't posted or recorded a podcast episode in quite some time. I've just wrapped up a live stream looking at a lot of the work that I've been doing with uh, people, particularly couples in their early 40s, addressing the can we or should we do more. Uh, retirement is a long way off, but it's not that far off that it um, can't be considered, I guess. And so a lot of work in the last 6 to 12 months with people in their early 40s, uh, big incomes, household mortgages well and truly under control, done the upgrade of the family home, settled in, their kids settled in, and looking at what's next. So it's about a half an hour live stream that I did. The audio follows this intro. Hope you enjoy. Reach out if you have any questions. Thanks. To let me know if you can see this and if it's coming through okay there we go looks to be working all right i haven't been on live for a little while so bear with me as i try to get it going wasn't sure that it would still actually work thank you for uh everyone that's streaming in jumping in and uh, and, and having a watch um so live across linkedin uh, facebook and youtube um let me know you're there i can't actually see who's watching uh, i can see a number but don't know who, who's actually there so let us know. Um, yeah, thank you. There's a few comments there. Forty, Andrew, Jared, all good. All right, let's kick on with it. So, um, yeah, so I, I posted the other day uh, on my LinkedIn and a few other places. I, I shared it to say that I've been doing a bit of work, a lot of work, really, the last six months or so. Um, some of you that may watch this might actually be clients and, and, and see this yourself, but a lot of work with people that are around 40, um, early 40s and looking at what's next. And so I've put together a few slides here. Uh, there's a whole lot of other bit, bit that goes into this work that we tend to do, but really kind of knuckling down to the three or four different areas around the wealth accumulation, the strategies, the the, the the, yeah, the strategies and, and processes and things that we're putting in place to kind of help push people forward, keep them accountable, keep them active and keep them keep them moving. So I've got a few slides here. I'll share it up. Just let me see the layout. Yeah, there we go. If I make myself a bit smaller and the slides a bit bigger, that will hopefully come through okay and you can see it. So as, as I've said there, early 40s, can we or should we be doing more? Um, the answer to the can we is probably yes. The answer to the should we is it depends. Depends who you are, depends where you're at, depends what you want to do, depends what your priorities are. But can we, the answer is probably yes. So what I'm about to go through here uh, is um, it's it, it's some 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 advice that I've, I've delivered to a range of different clients um number of different clients but all fit a similar kind of profile i was trying to find the right word the demographic description the profile of of what these people kind of look like what these couples what these individuals what these families what these households look like and so if we start with um they're all uh, tend to be early 40s as i said uh settled into their forever home so when i'm talking about forever home i mean they've They've done the upgrade. It's quite common for people to buy their first home. They stay there for a period of time and then they eventually upgrade to something bigger. Maybe that upgrades some renovations to their own home uh, to make it you know, bigger, double story, add some extra bedrooms, extra bathroom, whatever it is. But that 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 upgrade period is behind them, whether it's the bigger house, whether it's the uh, 
whether it's the renovations, as I said, that type of work is behind them and they're settled there. They're saying, this is home, this is where we're staying, we're going to be here for the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. As it says there a little bit further on, kids are settled into school. So if these people have kids, if it's a couple, maybe it's a single and they don't, uh, maybe they don't want kids. But if they've got kids, they're kind of settled into schools, they're settled into the local area, they're playing the sports and, and you know, that that's home. They've got, they've got some roots there. The mortgage um, is kind of either fully paid off or well and truly under control. So when I go through to some of the next slides, part of what I'm going to go through probably isn't terribly appropriate for you if you still have a mortgage, if it's still big, if you're still making the monthly repayments and it's a bit of a stretch. That's probably not a great idea to be doing some of the strategies that I've got going forward and maybe you're a, maybe you're a step earlier in the process uh, of, of getting towards um. To, towards being in this position of this kind of typical profile of, of the types of clients that I've been working with lately. So mortgages paid off are well and truly under control. A lot of people in their early 40s have made some really significant inroads into their mortgage. Maybe it's just through keeping their spending and things under control, they've managed to pay it off. Or, or, or more, more often is the case, the mortgage is fully offset. Maybe they've sold the property, maybe they've sold the business, maybe they've inherited some money, but some way, shape or form, the mortgage is, is under control. If it's not fully paid off, there might be hundreds of thousands of dollars in offset accounts. So a lot of people that I've been dealing with or working with in the last six to 12 months, that it might have a, a home mortgage of 600, 800 million dollars plus. They might have these big mortgages but there's hundreds of thousands of dollars in offset accounts. It might be 200, there might be 600, there might be a million dollars or more sitting in offset accounts. So the drain of the monthly um, having to pay the mortgage isn't quite a, quite a big deal. Household incomes typically around that $300,000 mark or above, maybe that's an individual working, uh, maybe that's you know, a, a higher income earner and a lower income earner, maybe they're earning the same, but we're kind of talking 300,000 plus at that level with the mortgage under control, there's often a fair bit of surplus cash around. So there's a bit of, they're in a position where we're saying life's comfortable, but what's next? We, we you know, we don't want to just cruise along. Um, the last five, 10 years have gone by in a flash. We can only imagine what the next 15 years is going to go by in. Uh, and by that time, we're nearly 60 and and kind of wondering where, where's the time gone and what have we done? Have we made the best use of that time moving forward? Now, this typical client that I've been dealing with or working with, um, with them just working alone, they'll probably likely accumulate more than a million dollars in superannuation. Um, if it's an individual, if it's a couple, it's probably more, you know, might be looking at one, one and a half million dollars just by working. Now, that's a fair bit of money, obviously, uh, but relative to the lifestyle that these households are typically living at the moment, it's not enough. So these households that are earning 300,000 a year plus, typically they're spending maybe 10 to $15,000 a month living. You know, part of that's maybe a mortgage, part of that's maybe school fees and helping raise children and those kind of things. So when you get to retirement, they might not spend quite that much, but they're certainly not spending $5,000 a month. They're not going to be retiring on $5,000 a month. They're as aspiring to retire on an income of maybe 10 to $15,000 a month. And one to one and a half million dollars in superannuation is not going to cut it. That's not a, not going to cut it today. If they were sixty years old and retiring, uh, with you know with one and a half million dollars wanting to live off ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month, that's not enough now. 
let alone factoring in 15 years worth of um, inflation into the mix, it's not going to be anywhere near enough. So what do we do? What do we, what, you know, what do, we do? What are the steps? So the next few slides, there's not too many here, but the next few slides are, are a high level look at what are some of the things that we're doing. So we start with super. Um, at if, if mortgage is under control, someone's in their early 40s, it's still a number of years away until they can access their super, but it's not that far away. And from a superannuation point of view, what we're looking at here is trying to minimise tax. So one of the biggest complaints that people in this kind of income bracket, this stage of life have is they feel like they're paying a whole lot of money in tax. So one of the best ways that we can look to try and reduce that tax somewhat is by maximising super contributions. So as I've said there, is maximising contributions going forward. Um, so that's using the caps uh, as they stand, the annual caps of pre-tax contributions that you could be making going forward. Now, if these household incomes of 300,000 or more, chances are there's probably one, if not two people in there earning 150, 200,000 a year plus. Super contributions on that are going to take them pretty close to the annual cap. So we might be talking five, ten thousand dollars a year at max in terms of a salary sacrifice arrangement to get them to the cap. Because they're these higher income earners, the money's coming out pre-tax, the after-tax effect is a few hundred dollars a month. You barely notice it. So organizing some some salary sacrifice arrangements to get that um, to get that going um, kind of now uh, and, and using the caps going forward. Then, as I've shared a few different videos on some different platforms, there's some capacity to go backwards. So not only maximizing contributions going forwards, we can maximize some of these contributions going backwards. There's this thing called catch-up concessional contributions. These higher income earners often is the case, the higher income earner, if it's a couple's probably getting close to about half a million dollars in superannuation by their you know, kind of early to mid 40s. If they've been working in some type of typically corporate job earning $100,000, $150,000 a year for the last 10 years or more, they're probably getting close to a half a million dollars in super is, is often my experience. Half a million dollars in super is a bit of a trigger point. Once you go past half a million dollars in super, you can't use these catch-up or you can't go back and use the catch-up contribution limits. So it's about that time in the early 40s where I'm recommending that, that these clients are taking a lump sum of money out of their offset account and using up the catch-up contributions. They're claiming a tax deduction this year. But what that means is that we're going back to the financial year 1819 and then up until now that we're making sure they've used up all of their pre-tax contributions up until then, manufacturing some tax deductions and, hey, getting some more money into super, which will be a benefit later on. The next one there about splitting contributions. So particularly if you've got a household where there's a higher income earner and a lower income earner, as is often the case, there's discrepancy in superannuation balances. If we're maximizing super contributions, in terms of the maximizing contributions going forward, we'll always start with the higher income earner first. You get the better bang for your buck from a tax point of view from the higher income earner. Uh, if the household cash flow will allow, we'll then look at the lower income earner. But we start with the higher income earner. Sometimes we get to both that are maximizing the contributions going forward. But overlaying this splitting, contribution splitting. So what we're doing there is we're moving money from the higher income earner's um, super, super balance to the lower income earner's super balance. What we're trying to do is even them out. 
Why does that matter? It doesn't really make too much of a difference now when you're in your early 40s. But you do some projecting out until what these balances might get to with these increased contributions by the time someone's 60. Chances are uh, that higher income earner is going to be running into cap problems around how much money they can have in super and importantly, tax-free pensions. The whole benefit of putting money into super is to get a tax-free pension from that money once you're retired. Now, if you're hitting or you're bumping up against these caps that exist, it's currently $1.7 million. Uh, if you're bumping up against that cap, it's not great from a tax planning or an evening out point of view. So what we want to do is do something about that now, be proactive about that now. We're splitting money from one account to another to try and even out the balances before the contributions are more evenly spread and then going up. And ideally, you're getting both members of that couple are, uh, are capping out on uh, on their on their tax-free pensions. The last part in there is you, you'll see that the that that um, that point about the high growth allocation. So uh, you might not already people in this space might not already be uh, invested terribly aggressively. There's a conversation that we have around that, um, but often tweaking the growth allocation is appropriate. Now I'm going to pause there for a second. Uh, if anyone's got any questions as I'm running through this, just drop them into the, 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 the questions box there. Um, I'll come back at the end. Um, I tend to get a bit distracted if I'm answering questions and coming backwards and forwards, but drop them in there, uh, whatever platform you might be watching this on, and I'll come back. I'll circle back at the end to go through it. One thing that I should also mention at this point is please don't go out and act on any of this. Uh, I don't know who's watching this. I don't know your personal circumstances. This is not personal financial advice. If any of this is of interest to you or ringing any bells or ticking any boxes for you, please reach out to a financial advisor that can help you. I'm willing to help. There's plenty of others like me. You may know someone. You might be in contact with someone. Great seek some advice don't just take my 10 or 15 minute live stream here as as gospel and go out and race off and put any of this stuff into place so super uh, once we've maximized the contributions going forward maximize the contributions going backwards maybe tweak to the growth there's not that much more we're doing with super it's kind of set forget keep working keep putting the money into super and building that balance up next thing is investment property so a lot of clients that I've come across in this space, a lot of them actually already have investment properties, which is great. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm not all for buying one investment property, buying another investment property, buying another one and buying another one. I think the risks associated with that level of borrowing are not necessary for most people, but I'm all for buying uh, an, an investment property. Uh, in this space, we're more guided by an individual's appetite. Some people are really hesitant towards borrowing money. Some people are all for it. It'll depend on which side you sit. Um, but importantly, if we are going down this track, we want to get the borrowing right. So um, this is where a lot of the kind of the strategic advice comes in. Saying before, often this demographic or this profile of a client will have a lot of money sitting in an offset account. It's not a great tax strategy to take a couple of hundred thousand dollars from your offset account and put that as a deposit on an investment property and go forward from there. What we want to do is work with you, work with your mortgage broker to restructure things so that it's most tax effective for you when you're making that investment property purchase. The most typical way that we're doing that is say you've got you know hundred you know you've got a, a, this lump of money sitting in your offset account. Rather than pulling cash to buy the investment property, we want to switch that around. So 
that go with your mortgage broker back to the bank, pay a lump sum off your mortgage, refinance it, and pull that money back out again. So you're putting money into your mortgage, doing a bit of a refinance, pulling that money back out again. When you're pulling that money back out again, now all of a sudden that's borrowed money that you're taking out rather than cash. It's not cash in your bank account. You're taking borrowed money and, and you're using that to put down as the deposit on the investment property, then borrowing the rest from there. And so you've, your, your debt is the same as, as if you took a couple of hundred thousand dollars of cash and, and put it over here. Uh, to buy the investment property, your net debt is the same. There's no extra borrowing, but your borrowing is better structured for tax purposes when you're buying that investment property. So if you are going down that track, you want to make sure that you're you're doing things uh, well from a, a debt structuring point of view. Investing into property can be uh, fantastic. It can also be horrible, just as investing in the share market can be fantastic, just as investing in the share market can be horrible. So no one is typically better than others. But if you are going down this track, you want to make sure that the, the, the debt particularly is structured appropriately and you're maximizing your deductions as much as you can. Um, final point on that is I'm always recommending the, the services of a, um, a buyer's advocate in this space. Uh, investment properties is not something that we recommend you know go and buy number two smith street where, where where me the financial advisors getting involved in here is the structure the debt strategy and the cash flow and how that's all coming together the acquisition of the individual asset we uh, we refer out to other experts then the next bit is investing into share markets so once supers dealt with if someone so you settled into the family home just kind of a recap settled into the family home Mortgage is well and truly under control. There's a fair bit of surplus cash flow. What are we doing with that? First, we're tweaking super, uh, maximizing contributions going forward, maximizing contributions going backwards, looking at the mix of your investments, possibly entertaining the idea of buying an investment property in that second piece. Then the third one here is about regularly investing into share markets. Now, the important point here is that it's regularly investing into share markets. Investing into share markets isn't buying 10 grand of this thing and hoping for the best and then six months later buying 10 grand of this one and a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one. What we want to do is have a process and a procedure around a regular monthly, often installment that's being contributed towards share markets. So I'll start with a lump sum of money. Uh, if the mortgage is completely fully offset and there's and there's extra, extra money in the cash account, maybe we're taking money from the bank account, possibly for those that have an appetite for it, it might actually be borrowed money. So back to this, this example of uh, extracting equity, so paying off your mortgage and reborrowing. We might be doing that same strategy for shares for some people that have an appetite for it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to do that and recommend that for those that are comfortable with it. But we're starting with a lump sum, adding a regular contribution thereafter, uh, and then possibly matching that contribution with borrowed money. So some of the strategy that we've implemented is, is maybe taking $100,000, $150,000 as, as, as an equity position to begin with from, from borrowed against the house, buy some shares, adding a regular contribution every month thereafter, $1,000, $2,000, $5,000. It's going to depend on the individual and that household. But adding some regular amount of your own cash flow towards it possibly matching that with some borrowing. Uh, then we need to look at the ownership structure. So the strategy is you know, investing into share markets and regularly doing that, uh, but the ownership matters. So sometimes we might be owning those shares personally if there's a big discrepancy in 
tax rates between two members of a household. If there's only one person, there's not much that we can do there. But maybe that's owning it personally. Maybe that's owning it through a family trust. Maybe that's using some other structure like an investment bond that's going to depend on individual circumstances. But there's some structuring advice there. The big advantage of this, of going down this strategy of this kind of regular investing into share markets is it's incredibly flexible. You can dial it up, you can dial it down. If you're taking an extended period off work, if you want to take six months to travel overseas when we're finally allowed to, maybe you might switch this thing off. So uh, it's not as if you've got the bank, like with the investment property, you've got the bank demanding that you make the loan repayments on your mortgage. Uh, this uh, this kind of strategy here, you can dial it up, you can dial it down. If you get a bonus that comes through, you know, a lump sum bonus that comes through, you can add that into here as a one-off deposit. It's, it's really flexible and that's the major advantage of this. Then the last one here is to say if we fast forward, we're getting closer to age 60, what do we do next? Uh, so the, the kind of the, the next part of the strategy, and this is often 10 to 15 years into the future from, from the initial advice that we're doing, is with this share portfolio that we're building here. Ideally, at some point, we want to actually start to transition that towards super. Uh, ideally, you're, you're heading towards retirement at age 60 when most people now will be able to access their super. Uh, and most of your investments are in super to benefit from the tax-free earnings on the other side. So we put in place some plans. It's as people are getting closer to age 60 uh, to move those shares into super. Uh, so we need to be mindful of CGT, capital gains tax, so some strategies around that, trying to minimise tax as much as we can, and then also some strategy to repay the debt. So if with that investing to the share market strategy there's been an overlay of borrowed money to kind of amplify things if, if it's possible uh, we need to have a strategy around repaying that debt you don't want to go into retirement holding that debt there so that has to be paid off uh, some way somehow there's a whole range of different strategies if you've got an smsf there's an even uh, bigger range of strategies that you can do there but uh, but we need to be, you know, that, that's kind of the next step. There's the, there's the building up phase, then there's the transition to move those assets across to support retirement, and then there's the, then there's the moving into retirement as the third part. Uh, so that's it for the slides. There's a whole lot, you know, of extra stuff that, with the, you know, that we tend to go through here. What I've concentrated on is the what's next, uh, you know, things like, insurances and estate planning and cash flow there's a whole range of different things there but I've, I've narrowed this down to a pretty tight profile pretty tight demographic of client often early 40s uh, as i said mortgage well and truly under control kids settled into school no major plans to move that uh, that house upgrade or renovations whatever it is are done it's what's next how do we proactively use the position that you're in to build those assets because whilst just you know just working and contributing to super will likely get you a fair way there um, for those household incomes of you know, 300,000 and beyond it's probably not going to be enough so there's some of the strategies that we've been implementing thank you for those that have kind of stuck with me uh, through this I'll uh, I'll wrap it up now uh, the recording is will be on LinkedIn. It'll be on on my uh, my Facebook page and, and YouTube. If you want to catch it again later on, I'll probably put the audio out onto my podcast. Not that I've done that for for a while. It doesn't look like there's any 
questions there, I'll hang around online uh, for a little while afterwards. If you wanted to message me something personally, by all means, you can do so. But uh, yeah, thank you for, for joining me. Uh, Simon, you were there on Facebook. Don't know if you're still there. Andrew, if you managed to stay right to the end. Thank you, 40 LinkedIn user. That's Glenn, I think. That's oh no, Stephen. Uh, Rocco, Mina, hi to you. Haven't spoken to you for a little while. Hope you're going all right, Mina. Uh, life's uh, a little bit different now for both of us now that uh, restrictions have eased both in New South Wales and, uh, and Victoria, Stephen there. Andrew, that was you. I can see at the end, you stuck with me. Chat to you soon. And uh, Glenn, yeah, so thanks, everyone. Um, Tommy, hey, good to see you there as well. Um, yeah, thanks, everyone. I'll wrap it up there. If you've got any questions, you can drop them into the questions wherever you might be watching. I'll, uh, I'll respond to them there or, or send me a message. Happy to help and um, enjoy your evening. Bye.